0: Hello, you are listening to Forefront. This is Adam and Christina Hannon.
1: We've been married for 16 years. We have four kids, and this is a special edition of Forefront.
0: This is our 30th episode, and so we're doing an interview for you. We are interviewing... Dr. Melissa Mork.
1: Dr. Mork is the professor and chair of the Department of Psychology, Criminal Justice, and Law Enforcement at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. She's also the author of Navigating Grief with Humor. She wrote that after experiencing grief herself after her husband Scott passed away. So she knows what she's talking about.
0: You took a class with Dr. Melissa Mork through the University of Northwestern.
1: And actually the class was called Navigating Grief with Humor. Something that Christina and I have found is that humor and laughter really is a great gift from God all the time, but especially when you're dealing with grief and in that healing process. Mm -hmm. And grief looks like a lot of different things. I'll never forget. I was in second grade and we were on a class field trip. And one of the girls, her mom was supposed to pick her up and she didn't. And she was so devastated. We were in second grade.
0: That's a big deal in second grade.
1: It was. So I remember getting on the bus and she's in the seat right across the aisle from me. And she was just sobbing and crying uncontrollably. And I felt so bad for her. Hmm. I didn't know what to do. So the bus takes off and she's still crying. And I looked out the window and we were driving past a cemetery. So I pointed out the window and I said, hey, do you know why they put fences around the cemetery? And she didn't say anything. She was just crying. She was like, mm, leave me alone. I said, because people are dying to get in. Oh, man. <laughs> and I tell you, like as cheeseball as that was, I was in second grade, cut me some slack here. But she stopped crying mm-hmm. and she started to smirk. Oh, and I could see, even even at the young age of second grade, I could see, wow, there really is something to humor in helping people cope with sadness. Mm-hmm. Fast forward many years, Christina and I are married, and we've shared a little bit about this on our podcast, but we've lost a child.
0: Mm-hmm. and And we've gone through other hard things as well. And I think one of the things that i've come to love so much about you is even in the hard things we find things to laugh about Mm. and it does bring healing and it makes the hard things a little bit more bearable Mm. so you were able to talk with dr melissa mark and interview her and we are going to share that audio with you today
1: I so enjoyed the class, Navigating Grief with Humor. It was so good and so refreshing.
2: Hey, I'm glad to hear that. It was definitely a sacred privilege to be a part of it, to design it, to facilitate it. Really amazing for me.
1: You lost your husband how long ago?
2: He was diagnosed with a very aggressive non-smoker's lung cancer, and he died four and a half months later. So three years ago. Wow. Still pretty fresh. Yeah. Uh, my son was 12 when Scott was diagnosed, and my daughter was 17.
1: Are you cool with talking about this?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, yes.
1: Okay. You mentioned a lot of uh, the pain and the grief and everything in your book. I'm wondering, some time after his passing, as you reflect back, what are some, th- you know, like, maybe your top three things about marriage, maybe lessons you've learned or advice for people in regards to marriage?
2: mm Well, the first one is, when I look back now, there is nothing worth fighting over. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worth arguing over. And, And related to that, when there is a disagreement to focus on the problem, not target the other person. I have regrets over how we would argue sometimes looking back at Was so easily resolvable. Had we just put our egos down and focused on the problem, not on how the other person was the problem. The second thing I think would be, and these are just off the cuff. I'd never thought of this before. But the second thing I think is how precious that companionship is. I I miss companionship. I feel like I'm, I'm missing my spare key. You know, Mm. the the person who was my backup on everything. You parenting two teenagers after he died. Ah, uh, man, I really missed that uh, that partner, that companion, that person who had my back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I just I just want to when I hear when I hear women I don't talk to men about their marriages, but you know, female friends who complain about their marriages. I just want to shake them and say, you have such a beautiful opportunity for companionship. Um, and I think the third. The most precious, important thing about marriage is uh, how important it is to articulate to the other person how much they mean to you. And we were good about that. We never ended an evening and we never left the house without saying, I love you to the other person and kissing one another goodbye. And I think that that sustained me through my first year of grief, um, knowing that I had there was nothing left unsaid. Wow. There's probably a hundred other things I could say, you know, but those are the three that came to mind.
1: Yeah, it's really good. We've referenced something you said in your book, "Navigating Grief with Humor," in our podcast about is some sort of a a way that grief, like an overwhelming, like take-you-off-your-feet grief can happen unexpectedly for—you had some sort of an equation. Of course, you're always going to grieve the person you lost, but it's like, was it uh, one year or one month for every year? Yeah.
2: You know, the APA has told us that if you're still grieving after six months, there's something wrong, but I would say that we should allow ourselves one month of active grief for every year of the relationship. And this is for spousal bereavement and friend bereavement. This does not apply to parents who've lost a child. There's no equation that can apply there. But yeah, one month of active grief for every year of the relationship.
1: Would you mind highlighting maybe just a couple steps towards grief therapy, if you would?
2: Sure. I think there are a couple tasks that we want to accomplish when we are grieving. Rather than just being passive participants or victims of our grief, we can take control a little bit by accomplishing a couple of tasks. And the first is to accept the reality of the loss by talking about it. We have to talk about what we have lost. Not just who, but the loss of that friendship, that companionship, all those different facets. And then we want to relocate them in our hearts. We want to continue a relationship with them and be intentional about doing that. So how do I continue to love my husband even though he's no longer physically present? And I can do that by remembering him, talking about him, recalling fun memories, bringing him up at the dinner table with the kids, laughing about the things Mm -hmm. that he would do that were just so goofy and funny, but we want to find ways, you know, we can, I write him letters, um, but we want to relocate that person in our heart and continue our relationship with them. We, closure is not the goal. Saying goodbye is not the goal. It's finding a different way of loving them now that they are no longer physically present. Mm. I think those are the two most important pieces of bereavement work.
1: Sure. One more thing. I mean, when, it's kind of a jarring title, navigating grief with humor, and how inappropriate it, it kind is. of feels to laugh at, <laughs> at that.
2: Oh,
1: no, oh, no. <laughs> no! It's I know. good. I,
2: I debated a long time. I know but, it's so yeah, good it's, to laugh. It really is, and I think you know. I tell a story in the book about the night that he died. It had been a brutal day. We did not know he was going to die that day. I was. I went to the hospital thinking I would be bringing him home, mm. and I was on my way to the hospital. I had his razor, his toothbrush, and a clean pair of underpants in my purse. (laughs) And uh, the doctor called and he said, Scott is giving me every indication that he is going to die today Mm -hmm. or at least very soon. So if you have phone calls you need to make now is the time to make them. So by the end of that day, I was, I watched my husband die, and when he took that final breath, it was just, it took all the oxygen out of the room, and I I couldn't breathe, and my children, we just stood there stunned Mm. and terrified. This was not what we thought our future was, immediate future was going to hold, and we drove home in stunned silence, and we weren't talking, and I felt like I was holding my breath the whole trip home, and we got into the house, and I held them, and we just started to cry. We were Desperately afraid of what the future held and desperately afraid of our, the monsoon of grief that was going to hit us. And so we were crying, sobbing, gasping, choking, cries. And then my daughter said something funny about Scott and we started to laugh and we were laughing so hard that we were crying from laughter and our tears of laughter mingled with our tears of grief and suddenly there was oxygen back in our in the room and we there was oxygen in that laughter there was undeniable life in that laughter and the holy spirit used that laughter to communicate to signal to each other i heard my children laughing and he told me they're going to be okay and they heard me laughing and he told them i was going to be strong and I think that laughter was something so imperative and healing in the most devastating moment of our entire lives. So is there room for humor and laughter in our grief? I think it's an imperative, actually.
1: Mm. So good. Dr. Mork, thank you so much for sharing and and just tender stuff, but uh, so helpful. Thank you.
2: My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. This was, a, this was great talking with you too, Adam.
0: This has been Forefront with Adam and Christina Hannon, and you can find a link to Dr. Mork's book, Navigating Grief with Humor, in the show notes on our website, ForefrontPodcast.com.